Welcome to an all new episode of the Lisa Ann Experience. I am your host, Lisa Ann. I want to express my gratitude to you for taking the time to have me in your ear and for keeping me curious to have so many delightful conversations to share with you including today's. If you've missed some of my previous episodes, go back and listen, subscribe, rate, and review. Helps a lot. I did read my reviews a couple of weeks ago, and I have to say I was pleasantly surprised. I'm usually very afraid to read reviews. A lot of cool comments about how I've progressed and become a better podcaster, which is great to hear, and just a lot of goodness. So thank you all for taking this step to do that. Today, I will have my guest. We will catch up first and then the mailbag. AskLisaAnn at gmail.com if you have a question for me. I am fresh and raring to go. I just had a nice four-day break with a guest in town, which is always great to have a guest where you live because you get out and you do all the things that you say you're going to do when you instead get wrapped up in doing things like laundry or running errands or working or whatever it may be. And my guest, who is not only like a sister to me, who shares her family with me and shares so much love with me. She was my neighbor for about 15 years. Uh, She's become just the, the integral part of my life, a best friend. She's also my assistant who handles all of my monitoring and my accounts. And whenever I'm doing a live stream, she's always there to make sure we get out the weirdos and I can just have fun and focus on my guests like Fridays, 2 p.m. Eastern time on my YouTube channel, The Real Lisa Ann. We do a live premiere of the podcast. So you get to watch the video component. And I do find that so many of my guests really come to life when you can see them on camera. You really feel the energy. You really see the laughter. And she is in there with me, always moderating and making sure I have a nice, safe space While she was here, she got to see all the weather day one. It was 20 degrees. On her last day, it was 63 degrees. So she got to see like four seasons in New York City in a short period of time. While she was here, I got to take a little internet break. Didn't really do much on social media. Just spent time in person enjoying each other's company. We spent our evenings getting through the depths of the series on Netflix inventing Anna. Boy, oh boy, Shonda Rhimes again, just hits it out of the park. The details, the getting to know the backstory on each character, the how this girl actually got got. The fact that massive bankers, massive investors, they just didn't want to come clean. They didn't want to come forward because of shame of they got kind of swindled, right? They felt they got swindled. She kind of conned them a bit, but it was a friend. It was a friend who she put some money on her credit card. She was the demise. And that friend wrote a book. We know it's Rachel if you watch the series. If you haven't watched the series, it's um, nine episodes. I want to say at least an hour each episode, but it is great. And things like this are so much more fun to watch with a friend because then you have this conversation going back and forth. Even if it's a long distance friend, that you're both going to stay on schedule and say you're going to watch an episode a night every night and then talk about it. But what a great series. And as soon as that was over, my good friend Alex recommended that my girl and I watch The Tinder Swindler. And boy, did we ever. And it was like crazy to see nine episodes of Anna, 
and this shorter documentary of the Tinder swindler and, and what he got away with compared to, you know, what she is serving time for. It's all how you look at it. Uh, the stories of women giving money to this guy just because he asked is just not enough for us. Our big saying in all of this is always, find a husband, they say. Yeah, find a husband after you watch something like The Tinder Swindler. Shockingly, one of the women is right back on Tinder. I get it. She doesn't blame Tinder. But still, two great male and female con stories. And what we learned was there's a new term called uh, scam society or scam something. And we realized like, oh, this is a real thing. Like, oh, it's scam culture poorly produced podcast right here that I have to run you through my brain as I'm having a moment of blip. Uh, but it's scam culture. And this is like a real thing. By the way, if you watch the video on Friday, you're going to see the balloons floating around in the background. Uh, it was Valentine's Day when my bestie landed. So we had a Galentine. I had to get a huge arrangement of balloons and, and make it good. And now they're like just floating around in my apartment, reminding me of what a great four days I had just connecting and hanging out, being present with someone else. Such a beautiful, beautiful time we had. But here we are. We got out. We took tons of walks. We ate at the famous falafel spot on the streets. Uh, we walked all of Central Park and it was magnificent. And at night we enjoyed our TV time. And now I am back getting things done, ready for some great conversations to share with you, including today's. And before I get to today's guest, I want to read you an excerpt from my book because it will tie in with. So here we are, and the story is about the premiere after porn ends. And the premiere was being held in Los Angeles, and I was out there at that time nervous to go into any public venues, still very scared. For those of you who don't know the story, you might want to read the life back because you will understand where this is all coming from. But here I am at the premiere. The most exciting part was seeing Janine and, and Christy Canyon and Ginger Lynn and all of the amazing people that took part in that series with me. Something special happened that night. Something that took me to a next level of emotion witnessed by my two dates. Yes, I did take two dates, the premiere to Life After Porn Ends, but if you understand, I was afraid to go out, so I took uh, two NFL players. It was off-season, so they're always in LA, so I just got the two biggest guys that I know and said, hey, you're coming to this thing with me. Don't worry. Nobody will recognize you because nobody in the industry cares about sports, so nobody's going to care about you, and they didn't. They were actually handing these two players their phones to take pictures of us. And they were just random dudes. And everyone just thought I had two dates, which was great. Christy Canyon was very proud. Thank you, Christy. So this next level emotion that was witnessed by my two dates, there was a starlet that I represented with my agency back in 2005. Our relationship didn't end well as she met with all the wrong people, left me for another agent. And as I saw it was chasing death. I didn't give up on her easily back then and spent time trying to offer her my support and keep her on the right path. At that time, it didn't work. But my words also didn't fall on deaf ears. She eventually left the industry, turned her life around, and now has a beautiful family and a happy life. I had secretly followed her journey online. That night at the premiere, she and her husband drove up from San Diego to see me. Her only goal was to thank me for all the attempts that I made to help her. 
She remembered the conversations I had with her, as well as times I went out of my way and let her stay at my house. She thanked me for all of it. I broke down in tears, and so did she. It was a moment that I will never forget. That conversation reminded me of my purpose, and it gave me a great sense of pride in my past. We exchanged information and promised to stay in touch, which we have. I will never be able to thank her enough for making time to share how she saw me through her eyes. That was such a special moment for me. And if those of you that have read my book understand, I left most people nameless because you can figure out who they are because you'll get to meet them in situations like this. But when that person read my book the first weekend it was out on Kindle, she knew I was talking about her. And she screen grabbed the entry and sent it to me with such joy. And I had to discuss with her about that moment and how much it meant to me out of what I had just been going through and the fact that though it didn't work in 2005, in 2017, she showed up to use her words face-to-face in the most beautiful way because that's really how her life has turned out, the most beautiful way. Today's guest I bring to you, you will be able to follow at Brittany De La Mora, and it's B-R-I-T-T-N-I, if you're wondering. You can look up her work at lovealwaysministries.com. Brittany De La Mora. Today, I get to share with you a conversation with a friend that has been a true inspiration to me, someone that has a success story of a transition in life that you will never believe to be true and as beautiful as it could possibly be someone that I actually wrote about in my new book without telling her, but she read it the weekend it came out on Kindle and texted me knowing that is my friend, Brittany De La Mora. Hi, thank you so much for having me on. I know when I read your book, I was like, oh my gosh, she's talking about me. (laughs) Because Brittany, you coming to that premiere to say what you had to say to me in person about our original engagements of how we met many years ago, which we'll get to. But the fact that you took the time to drive up from San Diego to Los Angeles to be present in my face at a time where you probably didn't realize I was going through the darkest time in my life. And you were such a lightning rod of just positivity for me. And you made me feel like I mattered. And that's why I had to write about you in my book. Thank you. And you do matter. Like I, like I said to you that night, like I didn't recognize what a role you were meant to play in my life when I was in the porn industry. But then when I go back and I look back, I had so many hurts and so many different things from like mother issues. And so any woman that came in and tried to play like a mentor role to me, I had so many trust issues because of my hurt. Sure. I just couldn't receive it. But then like going back, I'm like, oh my goodness, she was such a blessing in my life. And I failed to see it at that time. And so when I saw you, I had to tell you, like I had to humble myself and I had to say like, Hey, I've made some mistakes and I wasn't the best person back then. But like, thank you for everything that you've done in my life. Because the seeds that you sowed back then, like I still remember them now and they have reaped a harvest in my life. So I'm really grateful for you. 
And you know what you say, the seeds that I sowed, you reminded me that it is important for me to still stay present with people who may not be at the time ready to receive the information. But that night in 2017, you reminded me to stay engaged, to reach out to those who I saw were going through darkness and to try to express what I knew they might not understand for the hopes that maybe when life turned around for them and they made that next turn, they'd see me again. And just like you did. So let's talk about your process because we met because I was your agent. I want to say, was this what? 2007, 2008? I got into the business in 2005 and five. Okay. Met shortly. I think shortly after that. Okay. I forget. Cause you always look so young, right? 2005. And we met and when we met and you got into the industry, the industry can have incredibly negative effects. I have people come to me all the time and Brittany, they say, you know, like I'm thinking about getting into the industry and I'm like, okay, there has to be these 25 questions I need you to answer. Uh, let's first talk about your family, your friendships and your surroundings and how this is going to impact them. I think for a lot of us who got into the industry, that wasn't really a question that was important because we didn't have good family relationships at that time. Exactly. Exactly. Then what is your plan? Do you have addictive personality? Do you feel you're going to fall into the lifestyle? Like these are the questions. And when I start to ask these questions, people are like, oh, it's so complicated. I'm like, well, it is. It is very complicated. So for you, what was the experience that you went through when you were introduced to, and you were a really young when you got in business as well. I was 18 years old and it was a difficult experience for me because everything that you mentioned is what I experienced. Like I was rejected and by my family, my entire life, like, I hate you. You're a loser. We regret having you like from the time I was a little girl. So when I got into the industry, it felt like everybody had their arms opened. You're beautiful. You're destined to be a star. So I thought that I found love, but because I was so broken and then, you know, drugs and money were such a big thing within the industry. Like I quickly started using drugs to numb my pain. Like I think within four months of being in the business, I started using cocaine on a daily basis. And then it progressively mm. got worse to different kinds of pills and, you know, heroin, just everything under the sun, just to numb the pain that I was going through. And so I think that when I first got in the industry, it was definitely a rush. It was very exciting. It was like this new life that I was living, but it very, very quickly turned on me. I didn't have a strong mindset whatsoever. Like I couldn't handle everything that was being thrown at me. It, it definitely, Definitely, like sucked the soul out of me when I was in the industry. You were also at some time living in a model house. And when you're living in a model house, you are exposed to maybe six to 10 other performers who could also have access to different forms of drugs that they were able to give you, share with you, sell to you. And I think the model house idea is very destructive because it doesn't allow somebody to go home, have their own peace, their own space and make their own decisions. Yeah. And I was sharing a room with like two other girls. <laughs> there were like three twin size beds in there. And then the woman across uh, the bathroom that we shared, she actually was the one that introduced me to Coke. So yeah, that's exactly where it happened. 
And, you know, it was different when I got into the industry in the 90s because there weren't the demands to shoot the style of content that was demanded once you got into the business. Post-internet, 2001 to 2003, then 2005 came this like, oh, girl's going to do everything. Or as, you know, it was this slow progression in the 90s with like, okay, you're just going to do girl, girl, boy, girl. We don't want you doing anything. The demands on new talent when you got in and the demands on talent paying rent in a model house, doing all of the things that are incredibly destructive, but the agents in some situations wanted that level of destructions to keep the girls and the guys just very desperate. Yeah. I think when you got into, like you got in when the industry did appear to be more glamorous, like that's what I saw on TV. And that's what drew me in. I'm like, wow, these women are everything that I want to become. And so I get into the porn industry at 18 years old and they're putting me in pigtails and schoolgirl uniforms. And I'm like, this is not glamorous. Like this is encouraging pedophilia. Like I don't want to do this anymore. Um, And I, I think that like, that pride just kind of kept me stuck. Like I didn't want to admit like this just isn't for me. And so I just stuck it out. And that's why drugs became such a big part of my career. We lost touch for a period of time. And I need to know when was the turning point before you started this incredibly beautiful journey, living this life that you're living right now? Okay. So I left the industry at one point thinking like I announced my retirement. It was at three years. I said, I'm done. My grandpa had been going to church. So I joined him for church. Um, They had given me a Bible that day. Like I made Jesus my Lord and savior, but then um, I got connected to a pimp and men were my weakness. Like I was afraid to be alone. I needed men in my life. And so I get connected with this pimp who gets me back into the business for like another three years. Um, But I kept just reading that Bible and it was such a source of encouragement and positivity for my life that um, I just remember one day, like, I can't, I can't do this anymore. Like I can't take this. And I just found strength from reading the word that um, helped me to get away from my pimp. Like I called my mom, who was one of my biggest sources of pain. That was another um, place in my life where I had to humble myself because I couldn't get away from him alone. Um, And so I'm on my way to film a porn scene and I'm going to Las Vegas. And I felt like I'm just going to bring my Bible and I'm going to read it on the plane. And I read the scripture that just really convicted me and it really started to change the course of my life. And I felt like in that moment when I'm reading the scripture, God was telling me like, Brittany, this isn't the life that I have for you. Like the life that I have for you is going to overflow with so much love, so much joy and so much peace. And if you would quit the porn industry today, I would bless your life like no man ever could. And I held on to that word in my heart. And I went to porn, the porn set that day, made that my very last scene, um, quit the industry, started going to church. And I just little by little, it was just like these changes started happening in my life. And um, so now I'm here today. I'm married. I have one beautiful baby girl, another one on the way. And and God has truly transformed my life. And you have also transformed your life. You were present enough, even at your darkest times when you were using and doing things to numb the external situations that you were living. You were doing things, you were searching out a better life this whole time. But I think when we go through things with our parents who are negative to us when they're, we're younger, I went through very similar things, which is why I was so relatable with you. We lack that feeling of being worthy. And I follow you on Instagram. 
at Brittany Delamore. I'll make sure all these posts, everyone knows where to find you. But I, I, I will listen to everything you say every day. One of the things you do talk a lot about is finding that worth. That day on that plane, reading that scripture, you were finding your worth. Absolutely. Yeah, that's exactly what it did for me. Um, and then I remember going to church and there was this preacher and he was like, ladies, I have a word for you, just for you right now. He's like, I want you to know that you are a woman of God, that you are worthy of real true love and that you are worth the wait. And if your man isn't treating you as a woman of God, he needs to step up or step out, show him the exit sign because you're worthy of real true love and you're worth the wait. And that was the first time it was just like that impression, like you, you are worthy. You are worthy of love. Like you can do this. And it was uh, a guy that had brought me to that church. I ended up breaking up with him. And guess what? I'm now married to that man <laughs> that preached that message. <laughs> <laughs> you went right to the source right there. When it comes to getting clean, was it hard for you to just say, I'm never doing drugs again? Yeah. So for seven years, I battled with drug addiction. It was hard. And there was a day when I, you know, I had nothing. I was living in an apartment wasn't doing porn anymore. I was just reading my Bible, trying to figure my life out. I had no money. And I just felt like I needed, I felt like I needed to just flush my drugs down the toilet. And I'm like going back and forth. Like you have this conviction, but it's like, if I flush my drugs down the toilet, I'm going to get sick. And I just felt like this wave of faith come over me that I had never had before where Brittany, just do it. You're not going to get sick. And so I flushed my drugs down the toilet. It was the first time in seven years that I did not get dope sick. And that is like a true miracle for me because I, it was hard when I tried in the industry to get off drugs. Like it was, I tried several times and then would go back to them. And so that was the first time I didn't get sick and I've been clean and sober for 10 years now. Wow. When you say dope sick, what does that feel like? It is the most excruciating pain. Your whole body hurts. Like you feel like you have Charlie horses all over your entire body. I mean, to be really transparent, like there's vomiting, there's diarrhea, there's everything. There's night sweats all throughout the day, migraines. Like it's a- And that's just your body fiending for more. Absolutely. And that's why so oh. many people are afraid to get off drugs because you're afraid of the withdrawal. It's hard. Wow. And the power that you had to be able to say you're not going to get sick because, you know, me being a big believer of the secret and being out and putting that out there, you yeah. told yourself, you're Brittany, I'm flushing these and you're not going to get sick because you put that out to the universe. Yeah. And that's what the universe gave you yeah. in return. Absolutely. Was there any longing or missing of anything that you gave up, whether it be porn or whether it be drugs when you made this sudden transition? For me, honestly, I was so broken that I was just ready for a brand new life. And I went through hardships. Like in the porn industry, I was making over $30,000 a month. And when I started this new life, I was making $11 an hour when I first started. Like it was rough. It was humble beginnings. But I was at such a place where I knew that that industry couldn't offer me anything for me because I, I couldn't handle that business. Like it was sucking my soul dry that I was just like, let's just go with this new way of life. Like, and I just kept believing, you know what, somehow, some way, like doors are going to open for me. Like it's going to be okay. Like just get through the hard times and you'll get to the good times. 
Well, money is another form of the addiction. And what good is $30,000 a month if you have to be on drugs to receive it? What good is any of that? And, you know, when you remove yourself from that element, and yes, no matter what you do, you're going to make less money. But when you're fulfilled, you don't need as much stuff. And when you don't need as much stuff, you start to think, how am I making so much less money? I'm so much happier and I'm saving more money than I was saving before. How is this? I mean, it's this it's real. Yeah, no, you're right. And I love everything that you've been doing with like the minimalist approach. I'm like, I've been on that for years. Like you don't need as much stuff as you think you do to make you happy. Like happiness comes from within. It doesn't come from what you can buy yourself. And so, yeah, like even on making $11 an hour, I remember like just tripping out one day. Cause I'm like, okay, I have $800 in my savings account. And for me at that time, that was a lot of money. But when I was in the porn industry, I didn't even have that amount because I was living check to check because my drug was so huge. And then materialism, you know, having to keep up with whoever, like driving a car in the board and And you're paying an agent a ton of money. You're paying to rent space. Like there were so many expenses that you had that were balancing out that money, the IRS, everything else. But, you know, there's also the theory with minimalists that I love is like, there's always something, someone that something can use more than you. I love that. So it's not that you can never shop again, but if you do buy something new, you have to get rid of something. And there's no greater feeling than like dropping your things at a local church or going to the Salvation Army, wherever people choose to donate. But you're adding something. You need to get rid of something. And you're, the, the expression they use that really captivated me was love people, use things. I love that. Yep. I've seen you. I've seen you post about that and write that in your book. I love Because it's life changing yeah. really too. So now here you are. You've been married for almost six years to the most lovely man in the world. Like your payback, your karma, your gift for your beliefs and for your actions has been, like you said, after you read that scripture on the plane, you are going to be full of love. You have lovealwaysministries.com. Let's talk about what you do on a daily basis to help other people find the light. Yeah. So there's so many people who like are actually battling with addictions to pornography, just like I was with drugs. And so right now we're just in a lane of helping people who want help. Like we're not out here to try to force our beliefs and our thoughts on anybody. Like we just want to help those who are like, I am genuinely struggling and I need help. So we're providing resources for people who are battling with porn addiction that want to stop watching. Um, And then also there are different performers that have reached out to me that have expressed that they're struggling and they've heard my story and they want out too. So I've been able to help a few women with their transition out of porn. Um, and it's just been really incredible. And and like I said, I just want to help people who know that they need help, who who recognize that maybe this just isn't for them and they want help. So that's- I love that you're reaching back and helping someone because it's so relatable, Brittany. They know you've been there. And it, to just go to an outside doctor and feel the shame or judgment or any of those things. Yeah. And then on the other side, I love this topic that you've been talking about recently, porn addiction. And it is real. And it is too accessible. Remember, when I first got in the industry, you actually had to go to an adult bookstore with your ID and you rented a VHS or you bought something and it was in a brown bag and it was this little weekend experience that people did or a couple did once in a while. And then we allowed it to be free on the internet for any age. And I just interviewed two young men who are in their early 20s. 
And one of them told me that at 20 years old, he told himself he had to stop watching for a year. He wasn't letting himself watch anything for a year because at 20, he realized that it was affecting intimacy with him. It was affecting how he could connect with a woman in real time because it's become so graphic and so aggressive. It's really a lot also about the content, but it's how we're feeding it. If you watch a rated R movie, you get a disclaimer. There's smoking, there's swearing, there's nudity. Adult content that's free on the internet doesn't say how graphic it is, how it doesn't look consensual to the woman. How many people are coming to you and how many hours a day do they tell you they watch? Oh my goodness. So there's an accountability software that we've partnered up with, with Covenant Eyes. And I mean, there's people that my husband is um, partners with where it sends them the reports. And there have been people that watch porn for six to eight hours a day. I know this. I was amazed to see that because I had no idea. Like I knew addiction, but I was thinking maybe like one or two scenes a day. Like, no, there are people that are spending hours upon hours Hours. watching pornography. It's, it's insane. Like they are legitimately addicted. Because it creates an adrenaline release and the dopamine that comes out in their brain, very similar to cigarettes, alcohol, drugs, right? This is the same thing that it's feeding into. And what they're also doing is, is just like any addict. They're isolating themselves because in that six to eight hours a day, they could be talking on the phone with a friend. They could be taking a walk outside. They could be doing something productive, like reading a book, learning a language, growing, but they get stuck. And this is not talked about enough in the United States, but in Germany and other countries, there's already rehab facilities for porn addiction. Yeah. See, we need that here. And I'm trying to just help people wake up to this, you know, um, but there's a lot of people that are just blind and they think that it's it's not a big deal. Like they are literally living in addiction, destroying their marriages, but they're so like content in their addiction that there's many people that just don't even see it as a problem. Like I do get a lot of backlash and I'm like, hey, you guys, if my message isn't for you, it's not for you. Like feel free to like unfollow me, get off my page. It's totally cool. But like there are people that this message is for. There are people that recognize that they're struggling and it's it's awful. And that's the interesting thing about today's society, cancel culture. Everybody (laughs) wants you to be on the same page as them, right? We see Joe Rogan going through all this right now. If you don't like somebody, just don't listen to their message. But for you to just stop the message and potentially not help people who could have a better life, all you're trying to do is improve their quality of life. And for those who resist it, just move on and go about your day. But this is important work. And who better to it come from than someone like yourself who has been on the other side of the camera? Thank you. I really do appreciate that. It's 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 hard work, but you know what? I'm seeing lives be changed. We just released a course called Search. Um, we actually have a course for men and women, uh, and it's just really about walking you through the steps of getting free from porn. And if you do take the steps, like we will give you all the tools so that you could stop watching porn for good. And so, yeah, we've seen that course is really helping people. And we're really excited about that. Um, we have our book called a purity. And I mean, it sounds like I know in the church, I didn't know that the word purity was so crazy. People think that word means like just no sex before marriage, but the word purity means to be uncontaminated. And so it's, it's about the condition of your heart. So we wrote a book because we believe that when your heart is pure, your actions will follow. You know, there's so many people like it's beyond sex. It's like 
anger and bitterness and rage and jealousy and comparison. And gossip and, and go. Mm-hmm. Yes. All of these things. These are things that are contaminating your heart. And when your heart is contaminated, you start to make broken decisions in life. And so that book is really just about getting your heart healed. Um, and so, yeah, we're, we're so excited. I, I'm so grateful just to be here with you today. And like, thank you for allowing me to share all of this on your platform with with your followers. I appreciate I love it because I'm all about it. And so I'm on this thing where everyone knows me as being one of the most popular porn stars in the world, but I also watch the business transition. I also watch the content. Like it, it truly bummed me out when tube sites started and it wasn't because they were giving away our content for free. It was because you just had to click the box that said you're 18. Yeah. And to me, it was like, you can't go buy cigarettes if you're not of age. You can't go buy alcohol. Why are we doing this? Like, this is destructive to young people who should be allowed to come into their own sexuality at their own pace. Yeah. And so that was a really tough thing for me. And I think you feel social guilt when you're in the business and you actually know what it's spitting out on the other side. It's similar to, I have a friend who's a bartender and she's like, I battle that I know people have drank too much and in the city they don't drive. So they continue to want to be served. But she's like, I battled that something bad is going to happen to them when they leave. So it's similar to how I felt about the tube sites. And this is an important conversation yeah. because it's too much. I mean, I come from, uh, we watch TV for an hour a day. Like we didn't have the internet yet. Just the fact that people are isolating themselves, moving on from, yes, you have a problem. You are not, this is not healthy consumption. You are consumed with porn. And yes, the purity statement is so beautiful because when your heart is pure, everything magically works out. I remember 2017, I went to everybody I know that gossip and I said, listen, if, if you're going to gossip, I can't be a part of it on my sets that I was producing. I'd be like, no gossip. We're going to listen to music. If you don't have anything to say, like a TV show, but if it's about someone else, I just can't. I, it, I don't know why, but I got to this place where toxic energy was really becoming real. Yeah, and the industry is a lot of gossip. But I was like, this yeah. is hard enough. We're so vulnerable being naked in front of you. And now we know that you gossip about us. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you're, you're not pure. And as I made executive decisions and felt that purity in my heart, my friendships became better. Sure, I had less, but the ones that I had were really valuable and beautiful. Yeah. And this consumption that people are doing is taking them away from growing healthy relationships. So now when you bring someone out the other side and they realize they have four to six hours of free time a day, how do they now get out there and start to engage and meet people? Yeah. I mean, it's very simple. Like you can join, they, they make it so easy nowadays with different apps where you can literally go and like connect with like-minded people. For me, it was finding a brand new community in church. I found so many incredible friends, like all my mom friends have come from church. Like it's like, it's an incredible community that I found and it's full of people who are of the same, like faith of the same positivity. And I absolutely like have loved that. And so just getting out there, go to like, if you like to, 
if you have a dog, go to the park, go to a dog park. You can meet people there. Like, but you don't have to stay isolated. That's one of the biggest like things. That's one of the biggest things is like, you cannot sit home all day and just be in front of your laptop. Like one of the things that I encourage is like, when I first left the industry, I had to get rid of all social media. And sometimes people are so busy on social media that that's a trigger for them. Like they see, you know, women that remind them of their favorite porn stars. They see their favorite porn stars. And then it's like, oh, I better go watch porn right now, you know? And so you have to be willing to get rid of your triggers and just get out of the house, connect with people at work. We live in such an introverted society. And it's like half the people I think that are actually introverted in the society aren't actually introverted. It's society that's made them introverted because of the cell phones. And like, you're afraid to talk to people, like just get out, start a conversation. It's not hard. You'll find it's not. It. It's not hard. And you read in my book, when I really wanted to create some change in my life, I found charity work to be such a great way to meet new people, like-minded people. You get to hear their story. You get to be involved in something positive and you get out. And this year, for the new year, I asked my followers to start setting a timer every day and seeing how long they were spending on social media and start with just like chopping that time in half. And, and it like, Reading a book is one of the greatest things you can do to soothe your soul. Just being still. You sent me a beautiful book with morning passages, which I love because I could just read one every morning. But reading is so much more positive than scrolling. And one of the things the minimalists say is scrolling is the new smoking. Like people would rather just sit there and scroll on social media, just like smoking. It's an addiction. Yeah, absolutely. It really is. And it'll suck you in. Like I have to be intentional even with my time on it. But I think that was like for me when I was going through my healing, like it wasn't that I just deleted social media. I also couldn't afford the internet on my cell phone at that time. So it was like a blessing in disguise. Yes. I think I had like zero distractions, you know, and I had also committed to not date anybody for a year during that time because I just wanted to discover my value, discover my worth, grow in God. And like, for me, I, I got rid of all those distractions and too often we can fall into the very thing, the very temptation that we're trying to escape from if we keep those triggers and those temptations around. And so, yeah, that's imperative. Like get off social media, stop scrolling, go for a walk, pick, pick up a good book. You've inspired me to read more. Like I remember, I think it was a couple of years ago, you were doing like a, a book a week. I, I A book a week for a year. Yeah. I'm like, I, I can barely do a book a month, but <laughs> you definitely inspired me to read more. And even in like today, I sent you that book. I was reading that devotional this morning and it was just talking about how you'll get, um, when you keep the right attitude that you'll have uh, recompense for all of your troubles. And I'm like, I've seen that to be so true in my life. And it's like, when you start start to read these things. You get them into your psyche. You get them into your spirit. And you start to say, you know what? I'm going to just try to have the right attitude today. And I'm going to believe today that even though I've been going through pain, there's purpose in that pain. And we're just going to go ahead and walk through this today. And so, yeah, there's so much power in reading. Like, start reading. Stop scrolling and start reading. I agree. It just feels so good. Now, when you first started speaking in front of large groups at church, was there any time that you were insecure, you were concerned, or did everyone open their arms to you right away? So yeah, when I started sharing my story, I think that, um, well, when I first started going to church, I did battle with shame. And that was like a journey of just having to process with, with, the spirit of God. Like I just had to forgiveness. 
Yeah. Forgiveness. I had to to forgive myself and I had to recognize for me, the revelation that I had was that what Jesus did on the cross was more than enough for me. Like, like it's more than enough for all of us. Like he died for every single person in this world. Like any mistake we've made, anything that we've ever done, like it's not greater than the grace of God. And so that was the revelation that I had to catch and I had to walk in that. And I started going, you know what? If people are going to judge me, that's on them. If people are going to gossip about me, that's on them. If they're going to think negatively about me, that's on them. But I have to be so far removed from what other people think about me that it's no longer going to hinder my life. And so I just, once I caught that like revelation where it was like the lights turned on, I was like, just go, just share your story because there might be people that are going to look you up, but there are going to be people that are going to get helped and that are going to get healed from this. And I'm sure you've been more relatable with your story to so many people who have overcome their own obstacles, whether it's porn addiction, alcohol addiction, whatever it may be, or just destructive family relationships. I'm sure there have been people that have come to you that said, I heard your message louder than other people's because it was more relatable to me. Yeah. And you're right about that. I think that there's such... um like a, a judgment on like, when you look at the church, you think, Oh, all these people are so perfect. Or like the pastors are perfect or all of, and so I want to break that stigma. Like, I want to show you, like, you can go to church and be an imperfect person. You can go to church and have a, a deep, crazy, dark past. Like you could be a full blown drug addict. Like I stumbled in to church drunk and on drugs the first couple times I went in, but I still showed up, you know? And so it's like, the church is just full of people that are imperfect, but we're just trying to do God's perfect will. And that's all it's about. And like, I think that when you can be open and transparent about your struggles, you can help other people with their struggles. And when you're open and transparent, like you find purpose in your pain. And that's like, I loved your book so much because even reading through just you being so open and so transparent and vulnerable with your upbringing and then what you were going through at that dark time in the industry, like that was so inspiring to me. And I found so many different points where I'm like, I really relate to Lisa. Like there have been times where I've held back not wanting to write my book because of what I've gone through with my family. And so just reading through what you went through and the strength that you found to go ahead and just write your second book, like it was so powerful and it really, really blessed me. And so like, I know that when we are transparent, like we will help other people like we will. And you just never know who you're helping. I've gotten a really incredible response from this book. I've got a lot of men that have reached out to me that told me they want to be a better parent. I've gotten a lot of people that reached out to me to say, I'm going to get rid of my fantasy about what the industry is and look at it as more of a reality. Um, I've just gotten women coming to me and saying, thank you for being honest. And I'm glad you powered through. A lot of people grabbed onto when I decided I was going to remove alcohol from my life because that was just to me going to be destructive and make me more depressed. And I knew I, I couldn't pile on. I couldn't have more depression at that time, but it is so important. And you now have gone through this journey. And I would say this has been what, 10 years from starting you at 18, but by your late twenties, you were already making decisions that were changing your life to be so beautiful. Yeah. And I'm so grateful for that because I look at people like even like with some of my family members who are in their fifties and like they haven't worked on themselves. Not at all. Not at all. And that's one thing I'm always inspired with you is you're very self-aware. So you recognize like even when you quit drinking, you're like, okay, this could put me into a dark hole. Most yeah. people are not self-aware. So they'll just keep going down this destructive path until they get to a place 
where it's, it feels impossible to get them out of. And so I think just being self-aware is really, really imperative. It's really crucial. I knew that I was broken. I knew that I was hurting. I knew that I needed help. And I knew that somehow, some way, there was going to be a better life out there for me if I would just start going and moving in the right direction. And, and I'm grateful that I did that. Yeah, moving in the right direction is key, knowing that you cannot stay in the same scenario. So you did bring up calling your mom before you were going to that last shoot. What is your relationship with your mom now? Uh, It is definitely better. Like I, I just had a conversation with her this morning. It has gotten a lot better. It took a lot of me humbling myself, but also setting boundaries. Like when we first started hanging out, I couldn't just go spend an entire day with her because there would be triggers. Like there would, she would bring things up where I'm like, why did you even say that? Like, yeah. And it would make me feel horrible about my life. And so it was like spending maybe five minutes with her and then, Oh, okay. Gotta go. And then it was like 20 minutes. Okay, got to go. Until we got to this place where she respected me as a woman and I could respect her and she could respect that our beliefs and our thoughts about life are completely different. But she has seen a change in my life. And I do think that that that, that kind of inspires her, you know. Um, she hasn't started to fully follow, but it's <laughs> okay. Like I just show her nothing but love. And I think that that's really softened her heart. And you've forgiven for the negativity that gave you doubt as a young person when we're that age and we hear negative things about us from our leaders, our parents. Um, It takes a long time to forgive that so I can understand the triggers. But you've also given her a beautiful granddaughter and you have another little one on the way due at the end of April. The last time I saw you, you were about this pregnant and now you're about this pregnant again, which is it's incredible. It's incredible that I've known you since you were 18 years old. And now we have this totally different version of our own lives and our own success. And I just, I love the work that you're doing. Thank you. Likewise. And I'm, I'm genuinely inspired by everything that you're doing, Lisa. Like you have truly come out and just like, you have a whole new, a whole new life and it's absolutely beautiful. It's absolutely. Thank you. Thank you for spending time with me, everybody. Check out lovealwaysministries.com and follow at Brittany. And I'm going to spell this. It's B-R-I-T-T-N-I-D-E-L-A-M-O-R-A. Thank you so much for your time today and for staying connected with me and coming to see me back in 2017 to tell me you love me. Of course. I love you so much. And me and my husband are planning on coming out to New York one day to come hang out. Yay! We'll go to a Broadway show and I have to take you around to show you all the beautiful old structures. The library is gorgeous, but all that will happen. Thank you for joining me here. Now that was a beautiful story, a story of redemption, a story of relentless, just not giving up, seeing that there was another life out there for her. And can you imagine for me, someone who has witnessed this entire thing from meeting her when she was 18 years old to watching her go down the wrong path to losing that connection with her. And then she resurfaces as this woman with so much strength and conviction, with her purpose just mapped out in front of her, her beautiful relationship with her husband, who I adore, her daughter, and now another child on the way, she is proof that we can turn our lives around at any time. We can make that change. We can identify when we're doing the wrong things. I love when she mentions the word purity purity in our hearts, 
to make the right decisions. So I am honored that Brittany gave me her time today, that we've stayed connected after all those years of disconnect. And the fact that I have a relationship with someone who is living such a different life and is helping people recover their lives just like she did hers. I admire her. I am so happy for her. And at night before I go to bed, I go to her timeline at Brittany De La Mora on Instagram. And I just read what she had to say today because I am so proud of the journey that she took to become the woman, the mother, the wife, the friend, the daughter, the everything that she is. So it was a moving day for me to have Brittany come on and share her story of addiction, of recovery, of finding herself, of walking away from the money. All of those things were her power. And she did it all on her own. It's very impressive. I hope you give her a follow. And I'm thankful that she spent the time with me today. Now it is time for the weekly mailbag that you can be a part of. That's right. Ask Lisa Ann. Ask Lisa Ann at gmail.com. And I tied this mailbag together with today's interview with a purpose for a purpose. Let's go. Today's mailbag is going to tie in with the guest with a purpose, like I said. Now, some of you may be confused how I could be a, a part of something with someone who seems to be the opposite of so much of what my life has been about. But one of the things I am following the most that Brittany is doing right now is helping people with porn addiction. Because if you would go through my actual email at asklisaann at gmail.com, you would realize that 97% of the people that are writing to me are just porn addicts. They're just porn addicts. And that's going to bring no value to their life because guess what? They're never going to stay in their lane and try and find a woman that is right for them. Their whole view on sex is twisted and contorted into this sexual Olympics porn mindset that is never going to be a reality. And I picked some of those emails to emphasize this with you today. First email comes from Demir. Demir says, would you have sex with a fan? If yes, what is your criteria to choose him? That's a porn addict wondering if I will have sex with him. I get a hundred will you have sex with a fan email a week. Now, I do understand that there's girls in the industry that do things like this, but I am not one of them. Being someone who was one of the most popular porn stars in the entire world, the entire globe for years of her life, who had the best sex, who has the opportunity to be with the sexiest, most, most well, just developed, incredible people, people who are financially sound, who won't be taking from me. Why would I lower myself to have sex with a fan? Does Michael Jordan go out and play basketball with fans all day? Does Martha Stewart invite fans into her house to have a bake-off? I mean, come on. Why would I do that? And the reason someone would ask what the criteria is, is because they want to know if they fit into that mold. I have never done the fuck a fan contest that girls do. I have never escorted. I have never done anything with fans, but yet no one cares about my reality. 
My reality to these men is that I'm broken and broke. My reality to these men is I am less successful than them. My reality that I live in is their not reality. How could I be who I am where I am if I wanted to go have sex with some random fan? But that's a porn addict. That porn addict feels entitled to deserve to have sex with a porn star. Sadly, this could be the time in this young man's life where he could be meeting somebody that could be his partner, his true partner, his true match in life. But he will never be satisfied with her because she will never give him what he's become addicted to on the screen. And that's why I've been so supportive of Britney's pursuit with this software to help people with porn addiction because it's real and it's affecting intimacy and relationships and friendships. Hearing the amount of hours Britney discusses that some people are actually watching content, that is real. I know it's not everyone, but it is out there and it is not healthy. So there's Demir. Wait till you hear from Muhammad. This is Muhammad from Egypt, and I would love to know what I could do if I want to be your husband. I want to marry you, Lisa. Private message me because I don't want my family to know about our marriage. And I promise I will be faithful and loyal to you until my last breath. Here are my Facebook account. You can find my Facebook easily. Here's my phone number. Here's my WhatsApp. Many, many thanks for your attention. And again, for time to read my text. Yes, Egypt is one of the cultures where porn is banned and young people are using gaming devices. They're going through different platforms. They're using VPN switchers. Muhammad wants to marry somebody that he could never introduce to his family because Muhammad is addicted to porn. Muhammad has never met me. He doesn't know what type of human being I am. He doesn't know or care what my desires are, what type of guy I like, what I want to do. But Muhammad is an addict who is fiending for more. And if you remember when Brittany talked about dope sick, when I asked her what that is like, these people are dope sick. They are fiending and fiending and fiending for more. And 97% of the emails that I receive at AskLisaAnn at Gmail are from people that I can sense from the initial read are addicts of adult content. We got to be doing more with our lives, people. Learn a fucking language. Read a book. Get a hobby. Make some friends. Do something. Just stop writing to porn stars and asking them to get married. Leon says, hello. Is it possible to take a selfie in a bra right now? Really? Really? Again, these people think I am broken and broke. They don't realize that I'm successful and busy. So of course, if I got this guy's email, he would think that I'm going to take my shirt off when he could be a normal person and Google me. And there's a million photos of me in and out of bras and in everything else and out of everything else. But no, he's so entitled because of his addiction that he needs it on his own. These tie in really well with this conversation. This is a real issue. And though other countries are doing it, U.S. really isn't. 
So I'm happy that Brittany and her husband are on this pursuit because I think they're going to change lives and allow people to, hey, if you still want to consume, consume responsibly, but don't consume enough content that you then believe you should marry the person you watch. Now we're going to reel it in with some little bit liberal. Now we're going to ease into some not so traumatic mailbag questions. John's from Canada and he says, hello from Canada. My question is your career in the adult films was extensive. We all know that, but I'm curious when you experienced that aha moment that you were able to transition into the podcast and author world. Was it always something you wanted to do? This is a great question, John. Uh, by the way, when I prepare these, I print them out and then I, I get in the shower and I bring them to the bathroom with me. And when I'm putting on my makeup, I look at them and I like really, really, really think about it. There wasn't really one aha moment. The hardest year for me in the industry was 2013 because in 2013, we had the most health scares we had had in one year since I was in the industry. We had so many that there was a time where the only way you could go back to work to shoot scenes in the next month was if you took this shot that they were going to give everybody for free. And I never looked at scenes as my main income. I was always either feature dancing or hosting at clubs or doing other things. And at that time, 2013, I just started my radio show as well on Sirius XM. And so what ended up happening was I refused to do the shot. So I had to wait like another six weeks to work. No problem. Because to me, I'm not taking a shot if you can't tell me what the ingredients are in it and why we're doing it. And is it going to skew everybody's test? So the anxiety of my health and the risk that I was putting myself in was heavy. It was heavy. And it was heavy, which I realized it was heavy then, but I look back now and think about how much more free I feel in my life. I mean, I remember when I first retired celebrating a year that I didn't have to get a shot, a K-Pak shot, antibiotics, and do all this because everybody was sick and they were just, you would just take antibiotics out of fear. But this shot that they made everybody take was a moment where I was like, okay, this is getting crazy. This is where I don't know if I feel safe here. So there was a combination of those things that started to add up that when I did go back to work, I was anxious. And I would drive to work thinking like, you've been doing this for so many years. Have you been playing with fire for too long? Is this the day that you can track something that maybe is treatable, but not curable? Something that you're going to have for the rest of your life. Because up until now, that's still not been the case for me. So I really worried a lot. The industry was also changing on what the requirements were. In 2013, everybody wanted me to be a stepmom. And you know, guys reach out to me on social media all the time and they're like, I wish you were my stepmom. And I'm like, does anybody else think it's gross that a young kid wants to be inside the same vagina his dad is? I mean, does anybody else think that's disgusting? Because I think it's disgusting. I think like that's where our boundaries have gotten completely watered down, but my boundaries never had. So there was this battle of like, now I got to be a stepmom and I don't want to be a stepmom. And now I got to do, I got to have this creepy guy who's supposed to be my husband and he's watching the scene, but he's not a performer. He's some random dude I've never met before that they're paying a hundred dollars that has to sit on a couch four feet from me and stare at me the whole time I'm having sex. Like there were all these little things that just got weirder and weirder. 
And yes, I could produce my own content, which I was doing, but the profit margins is that was not comparable to going to set and shooting for somebody else. It's long-term profits, but not immediate gratification. And so there was just this like long ongoing, by 2014, I started to, it was probably New Year's 2014 that I realized this is going to be my last year at that time, if you remember, or if you've read the life back, you will understand why I had to go back for 15 months, why I went back for 15 months. But so John, to answer your question, there were a lot of little things along the way. And when it came to podcasting and writing a book, I always wanted to write a book. I mean, I just think I have a unique story to tell. Um, and when it comes to podcasting, I just wanted to continue to communicate. And believe it or not, like though I had fun doing scenes, there were some great days on set. That was not my favorite part of being in the business ever. My favorite part was going to the airport and getting to a city and seeing people I've never seen before and having conversations. I would stand out at my meet and greet line after my shows and just talk to people, whether it was guys or whether it was couples or the girls from the club. And like, it just fed me. It just fed my soul to constantly be having these like, oh, where are you from? You know, and learning about people. And so it's the curiosity that I have that makes me want to communicate more and learn more about other people. And so it just makes sense for me to be gabbing your ear off answering these mailbag questions right now. I've got one more right here right now. And it is a sweet one because I like to leave the Lisa Ann experience mailbag on a high note. Hello, Lisa Ann. I really loved your show with Lainey because Lainey is the greatest. And that was such a great interview. She is a mother hen to many people, just a doll. I had met her through a contact years ago, and we shared a penthouse fond memory of experiences I've ever had. One of, uh, of one of my best work experiences I've ever had. Working with Bob Guccione was amazing. He treated me very well. Do you have any favorite beauty items or anti-aging tips to recommend? I'm about the same way age and you look flawless on camera. I couldn't resist asking if you don't mind sharing. Do you use supplements, collagen things? I'm skeptical. I have favorite skincare, makeup primers you recommend. I feel like I'm in a second adolescence and I need to rethink my game and switch out my products. First of all, Michelle, Thank you for the kudos on the Lainey conversation because you're right. She's a mother hen. And also everyone I know that got the pleasure of working with Bob Guccione from Penthouse said the same, that he was just a joy to be around. Uh, it's the same vibe that I felt with Larry Flint from Hustler, who I just admired and loved being in his presence and learning from him and talking to him. When it comes to skincare, I am going to post up on my YouTube. I need to start doing what I'm using for my routine, but I will start with this. A lot of what we're doing is our diet. So Michelle, I drink a lot of water. I eat a lot of fruits and vegetables because you get more water from those fruits and vegetables from any sort of processed foods. Well, as we get older, the more sleep we get, the better we look and feel. So I do really try to get a minimum nine hours of sleep a night, eight, nine, sometimes on weekends, 10. I don't care. I just feel good when I wake up and I work out really hard that way. Um, religious with my workouts. I do take a ton of supplements and vitamins and I use a protein powder in my protein shakes. I put collagen in my coffee and I always sleep with a humidifier by my bed. 
humidifier moisturizes your skin at night and it really helps the product seep in your skin. You'll wake up, your skin will feel a little tacky for like a nice rinse with water, but we're so much drier and we're losing things as we get older. So replenishing that skin at night. And when I'm traveling, there's little portable humidifiers that you could just screw a bottle of water into. And when you screw that bottle of water into there, you have everything you need to just set it up on the nightstand and get it going. When it comes to products, I will share what I use, but I will tell you this, Michelle, and to my listeners, I listen to my skin. So if I brought out what I use, it would be this half this table would be full, but it's all for different times of the year. Am I running the heat a lot? Is it dry? Did I just travel? I, I mask a lot. I use the under eye patches every morning. First thing I get out of the shower, put on my moisturizer, put those patches on. Then I kind of get my things together before I take them off to put my makeup on. So I do use a lot of products and do a lot of things to continue to hydrate, but rest, diet, and exercise play an incredibly huge role on not just how our skin looks, but the energy that we project when we're sharing ourselves with people. So I think my youthful presence comes a lot from all of the things that I'm doing, but also from getting a nice amount of sleep. I like my sleep. I lived on four hours sleep for like 25 years of my life. Doubling that has been a game changer. Next week, I start the rundown of my tour dates. It will be the last segment on the podcast. So for those of you, I will say goodbye and then add that little bit on there. So you all know when you're going to get a chance to see me. I got to get out for the Super Bowl and spend some time at the Ugly Duckling New York City. And I will say this. From just going from looking at the internet and social media and then actually going out and having conversations with people in person, people are so much less creepy in person. Or maybe it's that the creepers are home creeping, but it's a reminder that we all need to get out. We need to get away from the social media. We need to interact face-to-face -face with people and share conversations and stay curious. Thank you all so much. And more than anything, thank you to my guest, Brittany. Brittany De La Mora for coming to see me in 2017 and using her words to touch my heart the way that she did, the friendship that we've continued, the relationship that we've built and we will continue to build. Follow her. You can learn a lot from the work that she's doing and also just the inspiration of who she's become and what she's become. Thank you all again so much for taking the time to listen. If you want to watch the video component, we'll be here 2 p.m. Eastern time, YouTube at The Real Lisa Ann. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of The Lisa Ann Experience.